I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. You're listening to BSH Radio. Is this true? Live from the WIP studios in Philadelphia. The hockey team, the Flyers. And right here on BroadStreetHockey.com. special show for you tonight because it's our one-year anniversary, guys. Friday, the 13th, marked the one year together of the four of us as a team, and I gotta say, I'm pretty pleased with the results thus far. Hot damn. Happy anniversary, fam. And the Flyers kind of paid us back with a nice little nice little effort over the weekend. Oh, that was okay. That home opener <laughs> Saturday, I think Steph and Kelly got a little drunk on goals that night yeah, or something. Drunk That's what goals. it was. Uh, we have a nice, we have a good, fun show for you. The Flyers are three, two, and zero, oh, and we're gonna be positive on our anniversary show, as positive as we possibly can be. Before we get to Travis Sanheim, we're gonna try. So let me introduce you to the panel for the evening. First and foremost, my broadcast partner in crime, Steph Licious D, Steph Driver, William, Steph. I want to make a big deal out of Robert Haig. I want to make a big deal about Robert Haig, like we made a big deal over Ivan Provorov. Like, we made a big deal out of Shane Goss's bear. I want to make a big deal out of Robert Haig. I think that he has had the most seamless transition into the NHL out of the recent rookie defensemen that we've seen, including the aforementioned two, Ghost and Provorov. Um, and, and if this is what Hextall is looking for in NHL readiness for this type of seamless transition... I'm a little bit more behind his plan if that's what he's looking for that's, because it it has been amazing. Haig is kind of the poster boy for the uh, for the slow development with three years in the AHL and uh, the the patient approach. Uh, we have some quotes that I pulled out of uh, one of Charlie's stories from the Athletic about about a Haig from Hextall and just that transition and what the coach is looking for out of these guys. And I think it says a lot that he has him playing with Gostas Bear and how that pair is a. Uh, has played together so far, so we will definitely make a big deal out of that. Good. Next, it's at Hanks, Kelly Hinkle. It me. So, um, speaking of ats, I was on the Twitter today <laughs> and noticed a lot of people, actually it's been all this, the past couple of days, people making a big deal about the fact that Oscar Lindblom has zero points in five games with the Phantoms. And is that ideal? No. Does it matter? No, not at all. I mean, until... The Oscar Lindblom shit barometer reads low pressure, indicating a shit hurricane is blowing. I'm not going to worry about Oscar Lindblom having zero points. If he has zero points in 15 games, maybe talk to me, but small sample size. Do you believe, Kelly, that uh, this, this kind of validates the decision to send him down? It might a little bit. He might he he might have needed a little bit of an adjustment period to get used to, you know, North American hockey, but I personally believe that adjustment period could have come in the NHL and it would have been just fine. 
you can adjust anywhere. I don't necessarily agree. I think that it's not a small deal that he's held pointless in the AHL. It's Um, only five games, though. Right, but he was a point-per-game player in his last stint in the AHL. So it's it's not a small deal. But, but in 30 games, we could look back at this and he could be almost a point-per-game player again. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But I think that it's not unreasonable to be a little bit concerned. I'm not yet. Okay. Okay. I am. Okay. <laughs> From The Athletic, Philadelphia, Charlie O'Connor. So, kind of, I think most people have kind of been taking the front office's lead when talking about Scott Lawton, and they've really, you know, dived into this idea of him understanding his role, and that's a big reason why he succeeded. And and I won't deny that's part of it. I'm I'm sure that you know him going down to the AHL didn't hurt him, and I, I've I've noticed that he's stronger on the puck now. He's taking less risks. But in all honesty, the thing that makes me most excited about Scott Lawton so far, and obviously we're only five games in, but the thing that makes me most excited about Scott Lawton is the fact that he's not dramatically changing his game, that he's still playing a skill game, he's still scoring, he's not turning into a Belmar or Vandevelde and playing ultra safe. He's playing his game. And to me, it's more that the Flyers are bending their preconceived notion of what a fourth line should be rather than Lawton changing his game to fit the Flyers' previous view of the fourth line. And that's really, really cool. I like that. I, I've had a lot of... I've had the full scope of range of emotions <laughs> when it comes to Scott Lawton, and I, I think that you're right. Um, I think that they are redefining for them what the fourth line is, and that's really exciting and really fun to watch. I mean, how many times have we did we hear, you know, well, Jordan Wheel can't play on the fourth line, or well, right. this guy can't play on the fourth line. Like now they have Michael Roffel on the fourth line, and Michael Roffel has been a top sixer for most of his Flyers career. It's and yeah, like I do agree that Lawton's probably taking less crazy risks, but he's not you know, he's still skating really fast, he's still playing fast, he's still taking shots from up high. Like he's making plays that he would have made two years ago. It's just that now the Flyers are letting him do that on the fourth line rather than saying, well, you're either top nine or you're not on this team. And that's like it's cool to see the Flyers making that adjustment. Lawton's probably made a bit of an adjustment, but the Flyers are making just as much of an adjustment in terms of how they view the fourth line. It is very promising. I I just want to get into that a little bit more. Um, So I read on TheAthletic.com today, Mary Clark had a piece about the honeybees. (laughs) (laughs) I still can't with that name. Which is what they're calling themselves, the honeybees. Raffle, Lawton, and um, Taylor Lear, the honeybees, which is the most adorable and pure thing that is ever going to happen to this team. Um, but, But Taylor Lear kept using the word truculence and tenacity. Ooh. I and love the word truculence. I like it's it. so much fun to spell. You know, it, it was more tenacity was the word that he kept using a lot, but we can use truculence too. <clears throat> um, tenacity. And, and I mean, that line has it in spades. With, with those three guys, all of them with a chip on their shoulder, I think that it's just exciting. My name is Bill Matz. I am your drunk trailer park supervisor for the evening. Uh, I just want to say this real quick to the whoever runs the Vegas Golden Knights Twitter. Oh, dear. Uh, Steph has this theory that Home Alone isn't a Christmas movie, but now hold, stay with me for just a second. Why? Hold on. 
Number one, it's not. That's okay. Well, but it's a movie set at Christmas time. Ted is not a Boston movie. It's just a movie oh. set at Christmas. All right? Or We're it's just a movie set in Boston. You know what is a great Boston movie? Oh, I'm ready Goodwill for Hunting. It. It's a classic. It is a true Boston movie. And with that in mind, guys. Maki, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian. Hmm. Will Hunting's made up 12 brothers. There's 12 of them. It's perfect. And that's the better joke. And I'm only going to judge this on the joke. The joke itself was a shitty joke. Yeah, it was a bad joke. It was a bad was joke. A I'm all for you me. saying offensive things if they're funny. This one was shitty. And who knows Ted lines? Like, come on. The movie was funny for like a minute. And then you walked away. And Ted was over with. Goodwill Hunting, classic movie, and twelve guys offends nobody. Perfect. That's my take on that. So I want to open. <laughs> Thank the, you. <laughs> so, so I want to open the discussion with a simple question for you guys and girls. How do you feel about the way the Flyers have played through five games? Through five games, what is your takeaway on this team as it stands right now? I love this team. Um, and I know that most of my comments have not reflected as such. <laughs> it's positivity night. Well, it is. And, and I, I, I've done a lot in the past week. I've done a lot of summarizing for other, other shows, what this team is and what we're looking forward to. And it's all super exciting. So we do have Nolan Patrick playing and, and, and the fact that he's not the highlight of the season right now is saying a lot for what else is going on on the team. And it, it's super exciting. It, it's electric. And and good God, in the building on Saturday, it was amazing. It seemed like a really, really uh, good atmosphere in yeah. there. You guys At were times. there. Charlie yeah. was up in the press box. I uh, I was not so lucky as to be in the building. <laughs> but it seemed like there was a really fun atmosphere You were in, in the parking lot. I was. The parking lot was a lot of fun. <laughs> We did have a fun tailgate. But uh, the Flyers so far, like I said, are 3-2-0. They're two losses. Uh, the shutout in L.A. They played okay, but Quick had one of those games. It was a, yeah, was was a toss-up game, and Quick was the difference, so there you go right there. And Nashville, you just had a calamity of errors, a, a shit blizzard, if you will. And, and it happened inside the three-minute mark, and they blew it. I mean, mm. they scored five unanswered in that. When you think you, walk, you have a two-goal lead in the third period, you should win. They blew it, but overall... The games they've played have been pretty decent. I'm liking what I'm seeing out of this team at this moment. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped and also pretty surprised and also pretty pleased to be wrong about some things. <laughs> Sometimes it's fun to be wrong. Um, someone said something over the weekend that kind of blew my mind a little bit. We talked a lot about how Dave Haxtell may have been coaching in a shitty way last season because he had to because of the goalies. There was no choice but to shoot from the outside because they had to be back in case the play went the other way. That was my the theory. Yeah. And and someone actually asked the question, and it blew my mind a little bit, what if Dave Haxtell is trash at player management, but his systems aren't terrible? What if they're not terrible? Yeah, I don't know if I totally buy that. I, I, mean, I don't know that I buy it either, but it's out there, and it might be a thing. I mean, let's be clear. So far this season, everything's been a lot better. Yep. But I'm not willing to toss out 82 games of really, really flawed systems because of five games of better ones. So you gotta, you gotta get to show me a little bit more of playing creative in the offensive zone and not, you know, de-incentivizing risk-taking behavior like with Goss. You gotta show me more. So far, things are good. And 
two of the things for me that have been the most reassuring and, and made me feel good about the direction of the team, because I'm not really looking at individual players too much at this point, because we are just five games in, but strategic things and structural things I'm going to pay attention to because they most likely will, will hold. At least they have a better chance of holding. And two things to me that I've been really happy about, number one, I kind of hinted at it before, they are being much more creative in the offensive zone. They're no longer... They are still taking point shots, but the thing is, is that when... like They always, last year, they were, only ta- they were taking about 25% of their shots were low to high. That left 75% of the other types of shots, but on those 75%, they were rarely being creative. They were still shots from the outside, like along the boards and things like that. They weren't difficult shots to stop. This year, they're playing more behind the net. This year, they're playing more in the slot, and you're seeing more shots coming from in close and less shots coming from the outside. That's great. So that's one. Number two, we talked about it in the offseason that the top power play unit was generally pretty good. It was the second power play unit that literally couldn't do a thing. And the second power play unit's a lot better this year. And these are two things that were major issues last year that at least ha- seem to have been addressed. Now, we'll see if it keeps up over a full season. But for now, these are two major problems that look like they've been, you know, they were identified in the offseason of being issues and they're addressing them. And that's good. That, that makes me feel really good. Uh, yeah, last year it just seemed like even when the shots weren't coming from up high, they were only really playing for garbage goals. Yeah. Get it on net, get a rebound, slam it home, just hope for a deflection, get a... Basically, it, it, we're only going to score if Wayne Simmons puts it in because <laughs> he's the only one who knows how to do this stuff. And so far this year, we have seen a ton of creativity. And it has paid off in the terms in terms of goal scoring. Through five games, they've got 21 goals, and they were shut out in one of these games. That's uh, an average per game of 4.20, which is pretty nice. And uh, it's tied for the second most in the league with Jersey. Toronto's averaging 5.2 goals a game, which is just, oh my God. Uh, they're fun. I would love to, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just love to have that kind of skill in the team. Right? But the Flyers aren't far away. I mean, when you look at what's going on and how this team is coming together, uh, Philpola is starting to score. That's freaking set up by Jordan Wheel for the for that Philpola goal the other Ooh, night was baby. incredible. Just uh, there is so much skill in this lineup. We talked about the fourth line, and it is paying off in the offensive zone. Um, but, One point I will make, though, and I know this is supposed to be a positive show, but damn it, the Flyers did score a lot of goals to start last year, they, too. They did. So, like, this is a cool start. I like. I think the process this year has been better, which is something I'm going to pay very close attention to. Got to trust, trust it. it. Got to trust it. <laughs> but you do have to remember this is only five games, and they did start out last season scoring a ton of goals, Oh, too. my God. We were so positive to start of last season, weren't we? Yes. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, our but first when, show a year ago. I should I should clip that show and put it up because oh God, we, 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 we spent we spent a majority of last season complaining and a lot of it complaining about the coach. So when they come out and play through five games yeah. pretty well, I want to highlight that because something tells me at some point in this season <laughs> we are going to turn ugly. Something tells me at some point tonight. When a certain player gets brought up, we're going. This we'll is get gonna, there. This is going to turn ugly, but right we're now we're high on Robert Haig right now. All sorts of high on him, injecting him right into our veins. Uh, but <laughs> yes. I want to start. I want to start with what has been the highlight for me so far, and that is this top line. We all had our questions about what exactly Giroux, Couturier, and Voracek would look like. Uh, the with, ginger line, with, baby. <laughs> I got no issues with this. Yeah, that's yeah. what they're calling themselves, right? Mm-hmm. The honeybees is better. <laughs> the honeybees, that's so good. I love my, it. <laughs> I think my nickname for the top line is Suck It Flyer at Twitter because 
There's all the people who just hate Couturier. There's the Trey Drew contingent. And then there's the Vorchex to Turnover Machine contingent. So if you just add all that up, that's like 95% of Flyers Twitter. Suck it. They're- I swear to God, I never see these Couturier hater people. Oh, I've never there seen are them. a lot. There of are a lot might, of them. You must just like follow, generally speaking, good people because I see I Couturier. I only follow you guys. Oh. Well, <laughs> thanks, Kelly. Well, then, uh... then you only follow good people. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> but, uh, no. There, there is a lot of people on Twitter that that can't stand Couturier. Well, that's pretty dumb. I mean, that's the thing. It's it. Go, it's all the the whole thing where oh, he hasn't scored forty points yet, and or all that other crap, but. The thing with the flyer Twitter issue with the top line, which I like, when we had our our, fir, our our last show before the start of the regular season, like I think generally speaking, we agree that the top line had a good chance of being good. The concern was what it did to the rest of the, the lineup, six. and and I don't think that concern has been totally brushed aside. Like no. like the Philpo line has looked good over the last couple of games. The Patrick line hasn't looked as good. So you're still dealing with a little bit of the weakness. The good news though is that especially in the Washington game, the top line was so good that it didn't matter that there was a little bit of weakness down the lineup because the top line killed it. And that's sort of the point behind this top line. If you're going to stack the top line with your two highest-paid players and the guy who's been your most efficient 5-on-5 scorer for the past two seasons... The answer? They damn well better be good, and they were really good. The answer, exactly. The answer? (laughs) I'm I'm really getting into these nicknames that they're creating for themselves. I like that they're giving them to themselves. It pleases me. I like it a lot. They see him beat, and they're like, we might as well just go for it. The new Allen Iverson is Sean Couturier? <laughs> what? I couldn't think of what? two more opposite <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Does he also like two-for-one apps at TGI Fridays? Who doesn't? <laughs> I was going to say. But, uh, quick numbers. Voracek leads the team nine points, all of them assists, four of them at even strength. Drew, seven points, three goals and three assists at even strength. Couturier, six points, all of them at even strength, including those three nice goals. Uh... I'm liking what I'm seeing, and it does leave a hole. Maybe in your middle six, that fourth line, like we said, has been looking really nice. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm really looking forward to what this thing could look like 10, 15, 20 games into the season when it really starts to click for them, when they really have their roles down and they've had some time to practice, uh, make, make some set plays, and then also you know bring in the creativity and just do all the things that three really good hockey players can do together. And I'm so happy for Claude. Yeah, it like, is good. And, and, and Sean and Couturier, like... These are guys that have had to do, have had to bear so much of the weight of their specific roles for several years now. Yep. And it's like, oh, let's give them each other. It works. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> they're a perfect, they're a power couple. It's like, oh, yeah, Jake, you're still good, huh? Good for you. Awesome. You've led, you led the team in scoring last year, and people are ready to get rid of you. So you put <laughs> people him... are still ready to get rid of Jake. Oh, is... well, obviously. He's got no goals. Yeah, All I, these I, assists, I, bum. Yeah, I, I want to go on a, a pro Jake Voracek. Right? Do it. Jake We're positive. Here. Because, the, like, I was really, and, and I... Over the offseason, I expressed some concerns about Voracek's season, without a doubt, but I was really getting sick of everybody that was ready to throw Jake Voracek overboard. Really, after one bad season and then a bad month stretch playing on a broken foot in 2015-16. Aside from that, he's been great his entire tenure in Philadelphia. And people just got this idea that, like, oh, no, he's actually trash. And in my opinion, and again, just five games, 
Voracek's been the best player on the ice for the Flyers these these five games, and he really put the exclamation point on in that Washington game where literally no one could check him. I think you know Madison Bowie's still looking for you know, <laughs> still looking, trying to find still, Voracek, still trying to find every piece of equipment that he left on I've, the ice. I don't know if I've ever seen somebody <laughs> lose their stick in that fashion. Like it, it was like, how did you? Did you just throw it at him? Like, yeah, was uh-huh. that the men's league? Like I got nothing. Like yes. it was. It was a. Uh, that setup was great, and it. it I talked about the wheel one. Gee, I just yeah. love seeing skill plays. No, it's, it's so great. fun to see that like, the front line players actually being able to utilize each other. And it was another example of a uh, that was a power play one, right? The the wheel one was even strength. The, 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 Voracek, the Voracek one was a power Simmons. play. The rush on the power play. Yeah. Another you talked about how that's kind of a, a hallmark of Knoblock system is we're not just going to play set up half ice offense. If we can get a rush going, we're going to put the pressure on and we're going to try to get it to the net. They did just that. And to go back to Voracek because I'm not done. I'm still I'm oh, still on the Voracek. Ready. I believe there's been a person here who on multiple occasions has talked about how Jake Voracek is like awful on the power play and maybe should be taken off. He leads team power play points. Yeah, it's about yeah, time. He's doing pretty good. Yeah. Doing pretty good. Would, he would also, that be a one Bill Matz? Yeah, it might be a little bit of Bill Matz here. <laughs> so also, yeah, the last two seasons, I think he's got as many power play points in the first five games of this year as he did the last two years combined. Erroneous, but I'll let that go. <laughs> um, in addition, five on five play. No player on the team has been involved in more scoring chances, whether creating it himself or having been the the, fir- the last pass before the scoring chance. He's at 16 so far. Next close to Scott Lawton at 11. Giroux and Couturier have 10. So he's been the most offensively impactful player at 5-on-5. Five five. Leads the team in power play points. First in the team in expected goals relative to his teammates. All nice expected goals. Fourth on the team in Corsi relative to his teammates. Only behind Lawton among forwards. This is a really good player. And this is a really good player who's reminding us that he's a really good player. I really hope he can keep it up. But it's just, I can't tell you how many people over preseason were screaming at me that Jake Voracek looks awful. We got to get rid of him. This is preseason. And I I, I have so many people, I was just like, guys, it's preseason. Like, I get he didn't look that good last year, but like, this doesn't matter to the vets. They're literally using it as practice. Wait until the season starts. And the minute the season starts, Voracek's turning turn it on. And it's been it's been cool for me because I'm a Voracek fan, but I also just like I really like his game. I've been a fan of his game pretty much ever since they traded for him because he's always been dominant by advanced stats. He's always been great at, you know, possessing and carrying the puck. And it's been nice to see him kind of remind everyone that, yes, I'm still really good at hockey. That's that's the like it's funny Preach. that Claude Giroux might be the third most effective guy on his line at creating zone entries, considering what you think of him as just a pure puck handler and a guy who has led the offense for this long. But it's been really nice to see Jake. Um, He hasn't had as many of those carried over the blue line, do everything right, and then throw it into someone's pads, please. And that could just be, you know... His line mates are getting open. He's got better. somebody to pass yeah, to he's now. Got he's got Gutierre always going to the net, and he's got another creative and Giroux passer. Can skate in Giroux. Again. Yeah. But speaking of the Giroux skating at practice today, I asked Giroux because um, the second goal he had, it uh, it was a loose puck, and he beat Jay Beagle. Grant isn't like an unbelievably fast skater, but he had like a couple strides on him, and Giroux beat Beagle to the puck and then scored. And I asked Giroux, like, do you think you would have run won that 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 race to the puck last year? And he just kind of was like, eh, I don't know. It's like, you probably wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well. So what do we think of the composition 
of the team because this top line looks really good. And like I said, I'm just really looking forward to what it, it's going to look like 10, 15, 20 games into the season. I'm glad they're executing right away because if it was something you're going to do, I wanted to stick with it and not just, you know, after eight games go, that's ah, not working. We got to put Drew back at center. We got to do all this stuff, shuffle it all around, whole preseason, whole beginning well, of the year. Well, we're only eight, was, five games yeah. in. They might still do it after eight. But <laughs> because, because this is working right away and because you're able to roll the other three lines and that fourth line looks so good it gives the middle six time to come together what do we think of the composition of those the the quote-unquote second and third lines those are the biggest question marks I think right now Um, I mean the the honeybees are getting almost as much ice time as the top line like they're essentially a pseudo second line if we're looking at it in terms of ice time at least in the Washington game right before that before that they were kind of alternating between third and fourth. The Washington game, though, they had a ton of ice time. Yeah, which they deserved. Yeah. Um, the second and third lines, you know, that's where they're stashing Dale Weiss and Valtteri Filpola. Valtteri Filpola, who I still don't have a problem with, I just, you know, putting him at center has caused a variety of other solutions to created problems to have cascaded down. Um, but... You know, you still have Dale Weiss, and he's still on the team, um, and he's in the middle. And then you've got Philpola, which is kind of creating the weirdness with Nolan Patrick, and it's it's weird. But they also there's a ton of talent on those two lines. You've got everyone else: Jordan Wheel, Wayne Simmons, um, Connecting. Travis Konechny, and Nolan Patrick. So outside of the the two. Those it's are really, pieces that are going to be with the with the team for a long time. It's really just one guy who bothers us. It's Dale Yeah. Philpola as Philpola your, really doesn't bother Philpola me. Philpola as a middle Philpola. six center is whatever. He's fine. And he's scoring. He's a nice guy in he's the lineup. He's scoring yeah. goals. He's got three goals. He had uh, those those two power play goals. Oh, look. He's, it's not the Braden Shen spot anymore. It's the Philpola spot. Well, let's not get and, crazy uh, here. He he uh, put home that nice setup from Wheel, so it's he's coming around. It's really just one guy, and it's Dale Weiss. And like we said in the beginning, it's not like Oscar Lindblom is down, and granted only five games, but it's not like Lindblom is down in the AHL dominating, so we're not yet, I'm not at least ready to be like, ah, this is bullshit, get him up here. Like, uh, so I'm willing to ride it out, and I don't want to break up that fourth line. I think we talked about oh, that God, last no. week. Yeah, Raffle would be better in that spot. Yeah. At, not, not a question in my mind would Raffle be better in that spot, but you have something working. I don't want to break it up. Do we have any concern that Nolan Patrick hasn't been lighting the world on fire through five? I was told not to have concern, but it's there because I mean, I, I'm convinced we can't have nice things, so it, there's a little bit there. I mean, I'm I'm a little I wouldn't say concerned, but his numbers have not been great. You know, mm-hmm. he has the two, he has a goal and an assist. He's shown flashes. He's looked good on the power play. He hasn't been producing the type of you know advanced metrics I was hoping for in the early season. But it's five games. Like I, my general rule with with metrics is I don't really pay ultra close attention to them until you hit ten games. So we're only halfway there. Could easily turn it around. I am a little concerned with the line that he's on because like they started him out with Wheel and Simmons. They had a pretty good first game. They had a bad second game because they spent the whole game against Carter's, that 70s line. They got killed. Then they flip-flopped Philpola and Patrick. And Philpola has been good with Simmons and Wheel. Like, that second line, if you're going to call it the second line, it's been solid. And 
it was some was funny because Wheel actually mentioned it in training camp that like he really liked playing with Philpola and uh, and Simmons. They played a little bit last year, and a lot of times when players say that, I think like, oh, you know. Yeah, he probably scored a couple goals one game, and the player liked it. But went back and looked at the numbers, and that was like the only line that Philpool actually drove play on was with with Wheel and Simmons. And they've sort of kind of picked up right where they left off. So if that line's working, and you obviously don't want to mess with the first line, you obviously don't want to mess with the fourth line. You, if you're Nolan Patrick, you're just kind of you know told, well, try to make this work. Like That's, we're, not, not, we're not we're, we're not changing anything else. You got Travis Konechny, like yeah, it's Dale Weiss, but like. We're not changing anything else, so Nolan, just figure it out. And yeah. I hope he can. And they should flip him back to okay, it's line. It's a 19-year-old kid who hasn't been healthy in two years. That's it. Playing in the NHL five games. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, of course, we'd all love him to come out and have that four-goal Austin Matthews game, but that wasn't realistic. Because of because of his conditioning, if nothing yeah. else, he hadn't been playing at game speed in a long time, and and the NHL is much different than what the Brandon Wheat Kings are seeing. He doesn't so. have blazing speed, so it was going to be a bit of okay. What can I and can I get away with at this level? Because I'm not the fastest skater out here, and for the first time in my life, probably not the biggest and strongest guy out here. No, he's not the biggest and the no, strongest, but no, I, I get what you're saying. When you're 18 and you're 6'2", 200, you're overpowering everybody just getting to the net when you're playing with, with your kids. stick like this, yeah. and now it's like everyone's as big and strong as me. They're on professional yeah. you know, weight training programs. And yeah. This is their careers. Most of the guys he played against up until now, this wasn't their career. So it's just going to be, and it doesn't need to be, he doesn't need to be a superstar yet. Not it yet. Can just con- <laughs> no, not Hey, at the All-Star break, different story. Get your shit together, kid. <laughs> but, uh, for now, it's I'm more than happy just to let him come along at his own pace. I, I agree, and I think that he already thinks like an NHLer. I think he already makes decisions like an NHL player. The rest will get there. He hasn't looked bad. But no, I, I, no, 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 he no hasn't. not at all. I test wise, I don't know what the numbers said. Um, what the numbers say? Charlie says he hasn't been driving play at the uh, at the level he wants. I'm sure they're not great, uh, especially after that uh, that LA game. Yeah, the LA game's dragging everything. Um, yeah, truthfully, but he hasn't, to my eyes, looked out of place or like, oh man, are they going to send him back after nine no, games? No. We got a que- We actually got a question about that today yeah. on Twitter. Was that at everybody? Yeah, uh, I think so. You, yeah. Are you afraid they're going to? Send him back after nine games? No, no. Because Hextall has no. first said he doesn't believe. Yeah, in that. Th- that's the main reason. Like, if it was any other team, I would be a little concerned. You know, maybe they feel like he could use some more developing, but I just don't think Hextall is going to send anyone back after nine games unless they really fall flat on their face. And Patrick has not fallen flat on his face. He's, he's no. as you said, he's looked like he's belonged. The the concern I have, truthfully, is less with regards to Patrick, and it's more that usually, like when I when someone is. Maybe not struggling, but kind of spinning their wheels a little bit. The easiest way to get get some get them going is well, let's flip flop the lines. It's hard to flip flop the lines when the other three lines are all <laughs> yeah. playing well. Two look great, and <laughs> the other one's figuring it out and yeah. starting to look good. It's well, a, you know what the you. answer is, right, guys? You're in Laterra. You're in Laterra, <laughs> and you know what's going to happen, right? It's going to be Travis Konechny that's scratched, oh, and yeah. Yori Laterra is going to come in with a line of that is Nolan Patrick, I wanna, Dale Weiss. I, I kind of want to. You're right. And Yori that makes me want to die. I don't want to see yeah. Konechny come out of the lineup, but no. I would for one game like to see Patrick Weiss and Laterra because that is some meat. Meat. It's a big lie. That man, is, man, meat. That is just some. It's right. too much man in my opinion. I, I think I. 
<laughs> I think I'd rather see instead of seeing that much meat on a line, I'd rather see meat read on the line. Yeah, oh, right. Me too. Instead of Dale Weiss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, that was my whole thing last week. I want to see Latera because Reed's not here. That's a there's a question. They sent oh. Moran back. Mm, that happened. Matt Reed's not back. No, he's not. He might Isn't be. Is he playing on the fourth line? He's, he's bouncing around. Mm. Um, my guess is before they go on their next road trip, yeah. somebody will come up. I think so too. Um, is Cole right- Bardreau healthy yet? Uh, no, no, no. William. Um, no. We'll we'll talk about Danik Martell a little bit later. <laughs> um, Danik. Is that how you say it? Did I uh, screw yeah. it up? All right. I'm good for screwing up names. Um, it's our brand. <laughs> what was I saying? Sorry. Oh, they're home for a long time, and Lehigh Valley isn't that far. If they need someone, they'll be here in an no, hour. No, they're doing construction on four seventy. They are, and it's a nightmare. <laughs> it's a, I had to take I had to take the Jersey Turnpike to the PA Turnpike just to get to Norristown the other day, and it was Yikes. a nightmare. No, I, Steph, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think it's purely that like there's no reason to have to have 14 forwards because they could just call someone yeah. if somebody gets hurt. Like, yeah, I just, why? Let I them just, play. I just find it strange that they're staying at 22, but I guess it doesn't matter if they're kind of sticking, especially with the forwards. These are our 12. Well, it this also, is what we're doing. It also, like, if you want to get into pure, you know, cap nerd thing, it, if you have, if you're further under the cap on a daily basis, you can bank more cap space on a daily basis, which means that at the deadline, at the deadline you theoretically have more cap space to spend on an asset to trade for. So it, they might just figure, or, or, or to retain salary. Well, there's that. Hexel <laughs> <laughs> does seem to like that. You see where I'm going with this, Stephanie? But how much of Kentucky salary salary would oh, they really you, have to retain, though? You William. shut your whore mouth because there was a rumor going around last week about Detroit heavily scouting Travis Connect. Yeah, I've been heavily scouting Jennifer Lawrence, too. And <laughs> I think I'm uh, just just this close. Like, yeah, They're not trading Travis. What, in what realm is Ron Hextall ready to trade any of the kids, let alone a first-round pick? Well, you would assume... Like, come on. You would assume in that in that scenario, it would be like, okay, well, we're going to trade Connect me for happy to see you, but like... That, uh, that, unless that, it's him <laughs> and Larkin, but, 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 no. But like, that's more of like a why. Like, yeah. Like, they're both good, but why? And this What's one's the pissed. point of the trade? Like yeah, <laughs> this one's thinking about going back to wherever he's from. Uh, we'll take him here. Here, have our have our like second most effective forward through tw- through five games. Well, I <laughs> uh, was gonna say a thing. Oh well, of course, of course, the Detroit Red Wings would be scouting Travis Konechny. Yeah. All thirty other teams should be scouting Travis <laughs> Konechny. Like you should be doing that. You wouldn't be doing your job if you're not. <laughs> Where did mean that, that like, the Flyers always... are, are accepting offers or, or even shopping him? Like that's ridiculous. Was, I always find that stuff. Yeah, funny. I mean it's just it, you know what it is. It's it's Twitter and you know things bounce around and it's fun and we talk about it for you know an hour and then if nothing happens it falls into the ether and if something happens then it's cool. But like well I mean it would be cool if Travis got traded. But like no, the, 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 cool. these are the things that just kind of you know bluster around and yeah if you're Detroit why not take a look at Travis Konechny. I just I don't see any reason why the Flyers would ever no. even consider moving him at this point. That would be ridiculous. The, the, the Red Wings need help, but they're not getting it from Travis Konechny. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I just... I... How did we even get here? <laughs> oh, I was talking about trading Andrew McDonald yeah. at the deadline. <laughs> yeah, it... Because um, you're charged cap space by the day, right? Exactly. So, so yeah. So you, people usually think of it as like, okay, there's a cap ceiling. We have to be under that cap ceiling to start the year. Like you do at the start of the year, but from that point on, 
they basically average out how much you pay each player on a daily basis. And if you're, you know, fifty or twenty thousand dollars under the cap one day, you theoretically can spend that later on in the year because you know yeah twenty thousand dollars doesn't seem that much but if you've saved twenty thousand dollars for 30 days or 60 days then it starts piling up and then you can take on maybe a four million dollar salary at the deadline because you're only having to pay that guy for a month and a half at the end of the year and then you're eating into the money you saved so banking cap space can be helpful I mean, we're five games in. We have no idea if the Flyers are going to be competitive. But if you're Hexall, you're thinking, well, maybe if we're competitive, we might want to get a rental guy. And we don't need Matt Reed back. He's not going to be playing anyway. It's probably in his best interest to be playing hockey anyway. It's not like he needs to learn the system. He's been right. with the team for however long. Might as well just keep him down there. And if somebody gets hurt, we'll call uh, we'll call Meat back up. But in the interim, let's bank some cap space. Love banking that cap space. It is good for hockey players to play hockey, isn't it? It T- is. tends to be. It's it better is. than them sitting in the press box, right? It Learning tends, experience tends is okay. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about something that we don't oftentimes think about uh, with the Flyers because, you know, we always think Broad Street bullies and when you ice guys like Radko Gudis, that reputation kind of follows you. But they've been, even last year, they weren't, uh, they were one of the least penalized teams. This year, uh, 19 times shorthanded is the 12th fewest so far. Um, that's pretty good. I like that they stay out it's of the box, bad. especially considering the penalty kill at 73.7%. Right now, clocking in at the fourth worst in the league. That's less than ideal. Is that concerning to you? Or I look, I looked at, Are we missing Chris Vandevelde? What the hell's happening here? <laughs> well, I, I looked at the circumstances of how they've allowed these goals. San Jose, they allowed two power play goals. LA, they killed all five. Anaheim, they killed two of two. Nashville, they allowed three power play goals. Yeah, let's Washington, not talk about Yeah, that but the Nashville. Nashville the, the, here's the problem with power with penalty kill efficiency numbers. Yeah. That's counting what? Two goals they scored a five on threes and, and one Nashville? was a six on three. Yeah, like yeah. like this is not as bad as it seems. No, and through five <laughs> games you're gonna have screwy sample yeah. size things like this when they've in what, one, two, in three of the five games, they've been a hundred percent on the penalty kill, and then San Jose and Nashville kinda there's five of them right there's all five of the short or the power play goals you've allowed. So I'm not overly concerned. But what are the uh, what have you seen out of the penalty kill, Charlie? You do a lot of work with the penalty kill. Uh how how are you liking the rotation so far? What are they doing, I'm, et cetera? I'm, I'm fairly happy with it. Like, I know the numbers may not yeah. show it yet, but I like the uh, I like the Lear Lawton 1-2 as, as PK1. Um, ideally, I wouldn't want McDonald there, but as if, he's, if he's on the team, they're going to be Such using his him. life. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's just going to keep having that top roll in the penalty kill and top pair roll of 5-on-5. Five five. Like, we just have to learn to accept it. Um, I like They're still using Gatoury on the penalty kill, too. Like You're seeing a little bit more aggressiveness, I think, um, particularly in the neutral zone when they're attacking uh, oncoming rushing forwards. And also, they're showing a little bit more willingness to actually take shorthanded chances. Like, we are, they already have one goal, which is nice. Um, and they're, they're taking some shots. They're, they're taking some rushes down the ice. That's been nice. Um, as for the numbers, and again, five games, especially with shorthanded stuff, because you're, you're talking about, what, 10, 11, 12 opportunities. But they're around middle of the road in shot suppression, and they're actually near the top of the league. They're uh, they're third in expected goals allowed per 60 at four on five. So there are some positive signs here. It's early. We'll see. But I, I, I don't see any reason to be terribly concerned yet, even looking at that not-so-great 73.7%. 
you talked about the willingness to take the shorthanded chances. It looked like last year, uh, Couturier and Simmons had a bit more of a green light, and they are just more skilled players, so you would think, you know, yeah, let's create some rushes and score some goals. Imagine uh, that. Yeah. But now you have some speed on the yeah. other unit yeah. with Lawton and Lear, and that's what I want to talk about now. Steph, yeah. do you think <laughs> Scott Lawton knew you were in the crowd for the home opener and yes. his performance was for you specifically? Yes. Yeah, so I I've come to a <laughs> shocking realization about Scott Lawton. Is this true? It is. Um, I think that he's a sweet boy. <laughs> I, I think I think that he he was the one that came up with the honeybees nickname. Like I think that Scott Lawton might actually be a sweet boy. Um, and now he's a sweet boy who scores goals. So this is now the season of Scott Lawton. And I'm going to this buy. Is the season of Scott Lord. I am going to buy a piece of apparel with his name on it. So he's, Man, that shorty was nice. So he, he he's like the uh, like the scary bounty hunter at the start of the movie. Who by the end you find out he actually has a heart of gold. Yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. He might. He, he might, might still, still be, a be a scary bounty hunter, but he's a sweet one. He had two goals against Washington, and I hadn't thought about it, but then I read it in your piece, Charlie. Revenge game. Yeah. Oh. Last time he was an NHL regular. Um, they tried to kill him. His career took a sharp turn following that injury he suffered uh, in that playoff game. And then, you know, last year, most of the year in the AHL. God, that was scary. Comes up this year, has that Richards-esque shorty. Oh, my God. I had to change my underwear after that one. <laughs> Same. And then that snipe from the right wing from the right wing circle over the blocker. So nice. Oh. It'll be after what we thought Scott Lawton was. And to see him, you know, be told to change his game, but really it's a combination of him accepting, I guess, less ice time than a top six forward gets, but also bringing skill and speed to a fourth line role with all of that. Like, that looked like such a wasted pick. Mm. We thought for sure Lawton was, if anything, yeah, like, all right, he'll hold a place on the fourth line for a little while. Now he's looking like a real contributor, mm. like a guy who you can just count on. And when you look at teams that win, it's because they can do things like roll fourth lines. Like yeah. every night, like there's a like there's a reason Brian Boyle is always on a good team because good teams really value a guy who can do that kind of stuff. Yeah, he kills penalties and plays a sandpaper game, but also if he blocks a shot and the puck comes out to center, it's going the other way and it'll end up in the back of the net. That's what I really like to see out of Scott Lawton right now. I'm very, very encouraged by his play, and I guess, well, they are the fourth line, so the the level of competition that they're facing doesn't know what to do with them. Yeah, I constantly forget that he's only 23 because I feel like he's been around forever. He has been around forever. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of good though. Makes me feel better that he's only 23 because in my mind he's like 26. Yeah, well, because which would be bad. Well, because he's actually 23, so it's good. Yeah, well, he had that. You mean like Jordan Wheel? Yeah, but uh, (laughs) no. Well, he actually remember his first year after his draft year, he got some time in the NHL. Like that's why it feels like he's been around forever. Yeah, because he played in that first year after his draft, and then got sent back. But it was the short season, so instead of nine games, he only got five. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like, yeah. Going back to the fourth line, though, what I what I love and what I've I've talked about this for years, and that's why it's so nice to to see them actually go through with it. Is I love the fact that the Flyers now have a fourth line where, if someone were to get hurt in game, you can put Scott Lawton or Michael Roffel on line two or three and not miss a beat. Like mm-hmm. in the past, if you know if if Jake Voracek took a shot to the leg and was out for the rest of the game. 
You weren't putting Chris Vandevelde on line one, but like mm-hmm. you, well, you, you were hoped they wouldn't put Chris Vandevelde. You but, weren't, yeah, fair. <laughs> the but, coach might. But my point is, is like we know Michael Roffle can play up the lineup because he has. Yeah. We look at Scott Lawton. We see how he's been offensively productive. He could probably play up the lineup too. You maybe don't want him to play up the lineup every night. No, he's not your two C. But but for he, forty minutes he yeah, could be. But he can. And that's the type of flexibility that you have then as a coach where you can adjust the lineup in-game. If a fourth line's rolling, yeah, use them as a second line for a game. Why the hell not? Whereas in the past, you know, yeah, if Belmar and Vandeveld had a good shift the first game, yeah, maybe they get used as the second line, but you knew they were never going to score. Like, it goes back to your point with the shorthanded situations, like, Belmar could skate. The thing was that... It wasn't going in. Yeah, it wasn't going in. So, the, I mean, the coaching staff maybe understandably was like, why bother going on the rush? Because you're never going to put the puck in the net anyway, Pierre. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> poor Pebbles. Wow. Assistant captain of the Vegas Golden Knights, Pebbles. Good for him. Is this true? It is. Someone asked me, and I hadn't even thought about it, with our Vegas trip, are we staying at the Paris? Yeah, we are. In a... Uh, in like homage to Pierre Edward Belmont, I'd like that's, to think so. Yeah. Well, with that, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. I was like, no, but now we are. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with it. just giving us the best rate. It's all, it's all for you, Pierre. It is. It's all for you, Pebbles, and maybe I'll buy his jersey while I'm out there. I'm just blowing money <laughs> on on hockey apparel. My entire wardrobe is hockey apparel. I'm wearing a Stone Cold Steve Mason <laughs> shirt today. That's just what it is: yoga pants and hockey stuff. Um, one thing before we move on, Grubauer stayed in for all eight goals. Was that just a, uh, <laughs> I think it was a hope a, he has to have a night off. Yeah, like he's so. going to yeah, play, he could play like 70 plus games for us on the nights he's off. He's off. Yeah. And you kind of got to take that beating. Do you, do you think that maybe it was like, there's no way the Flyers could keep up this pace of scoring. <laughs> like there's no way this Probably is going to keep up. I kind of expected him to skate down the ice and try to start a fight with Elliot just to get himself out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> this would be the team that would happen against. Yeah. That I, wasn't an English I sentence. was kind of hoping for it. it. I was like, come on. All I want, eight goals? Now I just need to see a line brawl. I mean, Best it, game ever. Oh in in these situations, too, you almost wonder, you know, if you're if you're Barry Trotz, you obviously have a, a, a good goal, a very good goalie in Brayden Holpe, and a very proud goalie in Brayden Holpe. And you're watching your team, and they're just playing awful. They're dead. They're on a three-game of four-night, end of a three-game of four-night stretch. Matt Niskin is, is out for a while. You're watching your team, and they're just getting taken to the cleaners, and you're like, do I even want to put Holpe in? Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just going to make his stats look bad, and it's going to piss him off that he got thrown into a game that he was going to get hung out to dry anyway. So, fine. Let the let the backup take the, take the eight-goal hit to his goals against average. No, that's the exact situation when you have that true number one who's going to play like 65, 70 games for you. That's the exact situation you have a backup for. Remember like, that time Tom Wilson got thrown out of a game and Scott Lawton scored two goals? That was fun. That was fun. That was enjoyable. They, they were drafted in the same round. The good old days. Hmm. I, I believe Wilson was drafted before Lawton. He, he was. was. Yeah, Jesus. Like Tom Wilson, first round pick. Imagine mm. that. Ugh. All right, Steph. You, you said you wanted to make a big old deal. Out of Robert Haig. Yes, I do. Here is your opportunity. The Ghost and Haig pairing has been... Uh, I love... The fact that they're playing with each other says so much about the coach's confidence in both of them. Yeah. Because we know how the coach, I guess, felt about Ghost's risk-taking last season. Well, And to put a rookie with him, he must really believe in... Uh, 
in Haig's, you know, steadiness and his reliability and all those things that we make fun of, but he's actually those things. He is. He's not zero-dimensional reliable. He's actually, he looks like a decent player, and it says a lot about Ghost now. All right, man, we invested in you. You got that extension. Guess what? You're playing with a rookie. Yeah. I think it says a lot about both, and I it's one of the things I want to credit Hackstall for because we are going to rip him a lot uh, for the rest of his tenure here. <laughs> <laughs> but not tonight. But not, well, we well, will. Not <laughs> well, in the next bullet point, we're going to be ripping him. Well, so, we're not there yet. Let's praise him for uh, what he's doing right now with Haig. Uh, I have this quote. I pulled it from Charlie's, uh, I think Charlie's, Ten observations, yeah. 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 Uh, Haig is Haig is a very quiet, very sound player, and that's not just without the puck. Uh, he is, I can't. He, he is real sound with it as well. He does positive things with it. Uh, as for Gostas Bear, the head coach went on to praise the young defenseman's uh, compete level without the puck. Oh, so, compete level. Compete level without the puck. But it's one of those. Can he spell intense? It's one of those, <laughs> like the fire at the circus. Intense. Um, <laughs> it's one of the compete level without the puck. I know it's one of those things. Like uh, we know what Gossis Bear gives us. If he's not the best guy without the puck, he's still one of the most dynamic defensemen in the league. But when you see the coach praise those things yep. about his game, okay, now we see. Oh, he's. He's getting the most five-on-five five minutes. He must actually believe Gostas Bear has improved his game from where it was last season when he was sitting in the press box in a learning experience. Yeah, no, this was the pairing that from training camp, I said, this is this is the real deal. Like, they play really, really well together. They seem to have great chemistry and, and just work. It, it works. And I didn't know that I needed this pairing until I saw it in training camp, and then I, I needed it. And they've um have they overtaken Andrew McDonald and Ivan Provorov or at least in the last game? Did La- they? The last game they had more, but on the whole, they're still the second pair. That the, the right. Washington game that they were using a little bit more than Provorov and McDonald. Well, that's because McDonald tried to chop off Ivan Provorov at the ankles with a. Yeah, I, I missed that. What was that play? It, it, People were talking about it at the end of the game. He was flailing and shot the puck right into Provorov's ankle. Oh, because that's that. that's what Andrew McDonald does is flail and and try to cripple. In my opinion, or, or a forward was he mowing the air back to cover? What was that? Alternate captain Andrew McDonald, ladies and gentlemen. Well, he wasn't that night. It's true. They, they were smart <laughs> enough. To, on the they road. were smart enough to not give him the A on home games. <laughs> <laughs> that I, like that's one of those things. That's not a coincidence. Like no. Philpola wears the A at home yeah. because. It's just it's because Andrew McDonald got booed. <laughs> yeah, mm. McDonald. I do like when that kind of stuff happens. I do kind of feel bad. I do, yeah. Like, and we fuel a lot. Like <laughs> we, we may, fuel we a, a lot of bad. Bad. This show contributes somewhat. I mean, no more than his actual on ice play does. But this this show contributes to the ongoing, relentless uh, Andrew McDonald hatred. Uh. I do feel bad when he gets booted. When, Stop in giving us ammo. I'm, I'm I'm kind of on the fence because I, I legitimately thought about this. At the mo- at why the, are we booing our own players? Like know. it's funny. Like I at love the it, moment, it, it felt kind of crappy. And like in the end, it's I didn't not feel crappy. It's not it. McDonald's fault that he took a thirty million dollar contract. Like who wouldn't take a thirty million dollar contract? And it's more the coaches that people are booing when they yes. boo McDonald. Yeah. But we booed him too. At, we booed him too. At, like let's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, like. It's fair to for fans to express their dissatisfaction with a player. Like that's their right as fans. So I don't I totally hate it. It's just you know you're a fan. You don't like a guy. Boom. 
That's, that's, that's sports. See, that's how I felt, too, when everyone else was talking about how they how bad they felt for Andrew McDonald. Andrew McDonald, the human being, is nice and generous and caring, one would assume. Andrew nice McDonald, face, yeah. he does have a nice face. And his baby he named after Steve Mason. Yeah, he doesn't sweet. appear to be a criminal. No. <laughs> no. He seems I'm like a sure decent... he's an upstanding yeah. citizen, good Canadian boy. <sighs> Stop playing playing. Andrew McDonald, the player, <laughs> is still getting paid $5 million a year, whether you boo him or not. So yeah. the fact that he can't play the game well, he is not performing his job well, does he really get performance assessments? I guess at the end of the season, but this is his performance assessment. I mean, do, are they accurate performance assessments? They are no, not. They are no, not. they are not. So this was his performance assessment. You're not doing good enough, and the fans are going to tell you that's what it's like playing in Philadelphia. You're going to get paid either way. That's the beauty of the NHL. You're fine. Fair. The last time he did have a true performance assessment was you know a contract negotiation and that went his way yeah so yeah he did pretty good there you're fine if the, the uh, uh, yeah it's i still remember our slack chat that was before you guys but the slack chat the day that andrew mcdonald signed with philly was, oh yeah it was a pretty was hilarious horrifying yeah. well no I, the trade too our slack chat exploded oh, yeah. when the trade happened because we were strongly against the idea of trading for Andrew McDonald. And the signing was just like, okay, ERBs. But, <laughs> but, oh, yeah, it was the trade that was the I remember one. when they got him and watching him play, he wasn't this bad. Or have I just taken well, more notice of the, it? The funny thing was is that when he came, like the back half of that year when they traded for him at the deadline, like his plus minus and whatnot was really good, but his underlying numbers were still really okay. bad. So it was one of those things where he was avoiding the big mistakes, but he was still getting buried by shots. And then in the playoffs, he started getting buried by goals. And then the next year, he continued to get buried by goals. And then they had their, you know, one training camp epiphany where they sent him down, and now we're back to first pairing defense manager. Yeah. But you know what? This is a, or actually no. Are we going to switch to the, the negative? Next thing is yeah. The, let, let's go yeah. to the, let's go to the negative. There's it's only time. so much positivity. How far do we make it into the show? A decent. It's it's nine forty. So it's been a while. What time did we start? I gotta I gotta hit the thing. I was gonna wait for you guys to get on a roll talking, oh. and then I was gonna go check the thing. I, I mean, the Facebook is about fifty two minutes. So. All right. So yeah. All right. We did good. We about, did really uh, good. Three quarters of the show. We got through a lot of the positives. Uh, like I said, the Flyers are three two and zero, oh, and have looked pretty good overall. But the Travis Sanheim situation is beyond comprehension. You've said it in a very polite way. <laughs> I guess it's pretty fucked up if you ask me. I don't beyond know what's happening there. Beyond comprehension. When yeah. I found out that he wasn't starting the home opener, all I could think is every fan who paid for a ticket to walk into that game should be handed a dollar. Yeah. You should be handed or every like 20,000 20, fans should be handed a dollar when they walk in because you just. Like, uh, we Why? Should, we should call. We should call the ticket office and say that we want a refund because we went to go see Travis Sanheim. Extra content for the Patreon. We should. Opinion. We should do that. <laughs> Why is Brandon Bannon playing? Well, apparently it's uh, out of respect. Out of respect, and it's it's a gift. And what what was the other word? Um, uh, a reward. reward. A reward. A reward for to, to be something. To be clear, that was just a theory of mine based on the. Oh, I wasn't making fun of you. I was <laughs> making fun of the team. Yeah. Because they did say that, right? Well, they said that when 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 I asked him after they got back why Manning played game one and then Sanheim played the next three, he basically was like, well, 
um, what do you say that basically some to the extent of Brandon Manning is a is a respected veteran oh, both God. in this locker room and around the league, and he's been really good for us in the past and still today. And that was what we thought the best lineup was for Game One, and then Game Two, Game Three, and Game Four, we thought the best lineup had Travis Sanheim in it. Well, apparently they thought the best lineup had Brandon Manning in it for the home opener. So. I just reasons. Florida, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, if you're listening to this, you'll already know uh, later, you already know the answer to the question, but do we know the answer yet? There seemed to be a strong indication that it's Mr. Brandong Manning. Is playing? Yeah, Manning, so Sanheim was the last defenseman off the ice at practice today, which isn't an always indicator, especially a day before the game when there's going to be a morning skate, but... It's something of an indicator that at this point, Sanheim is operating the assumption that he's not going to be playing in the next game. We'll see if that changes tomorrow. Is he but sulky? No, he seems happy. I, mean, I think he's happy to be in the NHL. Yeah. But I'm sure he wants to play. I mean, who doesn't want to play? I mean, when they, they announced him, they announced him immediately after Dave Hackstall during the home opener. And I wasn't done with my Dave Hackstall booing. But the, the face that he just, he was so upset. Like, you could tell that he was disappointed being behind the bench for that announcement well the one thing he also has has a very arresting angry face like like me <laughs> like he's you. my spirit animal <laughs> and like our our new child scott lawton but uh the thing that and i don't know if this was ever straight up confirmed i know sam carcitti reported this before it was obvious that Sanheim wasn't going to play but it sounded like Sanheim's parents were coming into Philly to watch the game and then it turned out he wasn't playing which his like, face yeah like, like I don't know if this is I don't know if that's if that actually happened but if it did like there's something to be said about Caxtall being better at communication here because yeah. like even if your if your plan was you're going to start Manning in this game like there was a three-day gap between the Tuesday game and the Saturday game. You yeah, would, this wasn't a yeah, three and four situation. Yeah, like, like you would think he could have told Sanheim, like, hey, maybe don't have your parents fly out for this game because I'm not going to play you. Hmm. Like they, and, and I don't know if that's actually what happened. We don't know the inner workings of the locker room, nor do we know if his parents actually ended up being at the game. But if that story is true, like, Maybe work I'll on look the, it up. maybe work on communication a little bit. I've I've heard, and this is from sources that have not been tainted by my negativity of Dave Haxtall, is that communication historically, even from North Dakota, has been shit with him. Shocking. Like he just does not know how to communicate with players and definitely doesn't know how to communicate with other stakeholders. Like I heard I parents. heard when he's walking through the hallway, he doesn't even look his players in the eyes when they pass him by. <laughs> Chip Kelly all College over again. College coach. <laughs> I, I have not heard that. That is a joke about Chip Kelly, everybody. I am not a journalist. Charlie is. That's why I was happy to uh, see you report in your, uh, in your observations, I think, Charlie. Uh, everyone wanted to blame McDonald for that goal. And it was, yeah, it might be on him, but also... You know, yeah, and, and Haxel actually Vortech actually confirmed confirmed yeah. today that it wasn't McDonald. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where I'm more than willing to be critical of Andrew McDonald, but I want to make sure I'm being critical of him when, he's, right at, when he's actually yeah. at fault. And that and was there'll a, be plenty yeah, of those. Yeah, exactly. And that was a play where I was on the fence whether it was actually him or not. And Haxel confirmed that no, he's supposed the to follow. Forward yeah, he's supposed to follow down. a guy like, and it might have been a guy like Ovechkin. He might just be supposed to follow any forward who kind of does that with the puck. And a low forward is supposed to recognize it, and the low forward didn't recognize it. So. And you see when the goal is scored both Giroux and Voracek are just late getting to the net yeah. so it's definitely that was one thing I liked in your piece today Charlie oh, thanks uh, Bill yeah, my no god problem. we get it you read Charlie uh, <laughs> just like every now and then <laughs> I did once I got my this, shirt um, the, the thing about the Sanheim stuff 
is that for three years we were told that when the kids get here, they're not just going to come up and play a couple minutes a game. We're not going to have men in and out of the lineup sitting for extended periods of time. When they're here, it's going to be because they're ready and they're going to play. Well, 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 actually, <laughs> that appears to have been a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2014 first round pick has sat in about in 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 two of the five games so far, and looks like it'll be 50 percent if he sits Tuesday night against Florida, and that just it's frustrating because we just want the youth movement to start. And could it just be as simple as we don't want this many rookies in the lineup now? Let's let the other guys get their feet wet, and then we'll get saying I'm in there. Like, I'm trying to come up with a justification for it, and I can't because is it just that, oh, well, Manning's a guy we know we're going to get of get out of, and he's the new Vandevelde? Like, even though it's not good, we know what it's going to be. So, Santa, That's such a dumb logic. I, I know it's dumb logic. <laughs> I'm just trying to come up with any logic. I, I, if I had to come up with, like, the closest thing to semi-acceptable, and I still don't agree with this because I never liked this line of thinking, but it's a, it's a very coach way of thinking. It's basically that there was no way he was going to change the lineup after an 8-2 win. You know, regardless, you know, maybe, maybe the initial plan was, all right, we'll start Manning in this game, and we go back to Sandheim, and then the team wins 8-2, and it's like, well... Can't take him out of the lineup. We just won eight to two against the Capitals. I don't agree with that. I could see that being the thought process as to why he doesn't come in for uh, for Tuesday. I still agree. I, I think Sandheim should be playing more. He, I wouldn't even be mad if he was getting scratched once in a while, but this is becoming a trend, and that that's concerning to me. And it's becoming a trend in the wake of last season, in which we saw Gostas Baron Konechny find themselves in the press box. But even Konechny, like, Konechny didn't start getting scratched until, like, December. Yeah. And Goss's Bear, yeah, he got scratching. His first scratch was in November, but, like, that was after almost a full season of NHL play. Travis Sanheim hasn't even gotten to the point where he's built up a large enough sample size for Haxtell to be frustrated with him. He's just, a, he's just a kid. Right. Like I don't think this has anything to do with them being disappointed in Travis Sanheim. I think this has everything to do with them thinking that Brandon Manning needs to be in the lineup. And that, that's, I mean, we, we that's talk, worse. Yeah, that I mean, we, we, we talked about this, and Those that's what's concerning. That's more concerning. If they had that's some, ludicrous. If they had some sort of bias against something that Sanheim is doing wrong, I would almost be able to accept that more. Then, oh, no, we just think Manning is better. Which is, like... The dumbest thing I've heard in a long time. Jesus. Mm-hmm. But like, it, it, again, I don't think it's necessarily they think he's better. It's that go go to go back to an old it's an, Andrew McDonald. an old classic. He's reliable, and I don't think they view Sandheim as reliable yet. That's the most horseshit. Oh, thing. I, like, I mean, hate. And, and and the problem is, is that no, you're not gonna. Like, a player is not going to get the reputation of being reliable unless you, you, play, unless you him. play him. And that, you, that's the catch-22. You here. have to rely on someone before you deem them reliable. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, yeah, Yay. this person who I've never asked to do anything for me before, I'm just going to say they're reliable. Like, I, uh, this is going to be a frustrating <laughs> thing all year. If, it, if this continues, if this continues, it's going to be a hot-button issue for... Me personally, oh yeah, and I could see it. I could see it on all your faces too. It's a big problem. If, I just we we kind of threw around in the preseason if they were going to have three rookies on this team it, on defense, we'd be a little bit okay with them rotating rookie yeah. defensemen in and out. That is not what they're doing, and, and and there's no reason for it other than Dave Haxtall is dumb. Well, it's just other than we need to have Brandon Manning in the lineup, which, which is, like, why? But dumb. Robert Haig is third on the team in even strength time on ice. Like, the only guys ahead of him are Provorov and Gostas Bear. Mm. Like, <laughs> those are two of the best players in the but, team. But as we said, 
Haig is the most yes, hackstallish of the three. I, can't, I, cannot, get, I cannot get behind saying that about Robert Haig. I will not because he's perfect in every single way and Dave Hackstall sucks. Oh, Steph. <laughs> he's just very Dave Hackstall, but he happens to be good. That's the we difference hope. between it, him and Andrew McDonald. Yeah, like, it's still early. And one, one thing I will say about Haig, and I'm, I'm high on him, I like what I've seen so far, but, you know, Corey's manually tracked data, like, Haig hasn't graded out incredibly well. The, his course, he's been Corey, good. Corey, don't break my heart. His course, he's been good, but Haig is allowing a lot of controlled entries, and he hasn't been fantastic at uh, at generating controlled zone exits. So, it, at this point, five games in, not going to put that much stock in, but it's a little eyebrow raising, and it's a little like, okay, well, hopefully, he as he settles in, he gets a little, you know, a little bit more aggressive on the, on defending the rush and a little bit better at generating exits. He was good at both in the preseason, but. It's five games. Yeah, it's five games, and we'll see. I agree. I've been impressed with what I've seen from Haig so far, but I'm not ready to proclaim him like legitimately an above-average NHLer yet. Okay. I'm just spitballing. This could have nothing to do with it, but because he's paired with Shane Goss' pair, who is going to be aggressive. Yeah, it's possible. um, Maybe he's just playing back a little on the zone entries and on the exits. Perhaps he's just passing it to Gostas Bear because he's one of the best puck carriers on the team. He is using that head fake little uh, open toe move better than he ever has, which is incredible. Ghost? Yeah, Ghost. He's doing so many little things. He backs himself into a corner, uh, like just... He'll be exiting the zone, and someone will have an angle on him, and he'll have done it purposefully. He's like, oh, he, think he, he thinks he has me. Just opens Just up a kidding. little bit, and he's right up the boards. Gossip Spare's game, like, I, w- I won't say he had a down year the way other people will last year, but I will say he wasn't as good as he was in his rookie season last year. Because and, of the injury. Yeah, sure, because of the injury, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But so far, so good. I love what I've seen out of Goss Spare, and he's got the most even strength time on ice on the, t- on the on the defense. This is the Robert Haig Appreciation Hour. <laughs> we can have we can have another show just on Ghost, and I fully support that, but this one is about Robert Haig. I just want to, to, to bring one more thing up about okay. Ghost. Steph. Um, one it better thing, be about Haig in the end. Well, it does kind of circle around Haig <laughs> a little bit. So one thing I do believe has helped Ghost this year is that because Haig has proven capable of playing the right side, they're letting Ghost play the left more. And it's easier to play the left in the defensive zone with the puck because you're on your forehand more. Yeah. And maybe that's allowing Ghost to be a little bit more creative in his zone exits because he's not doing everything on his backhand anymore. Maybe. And, and that comes down to Haig being capable of playing the right, whereas before, despite the fact that Shane Goss Bear is a left-handed defenseman, he's always played the right because he's always he's been on a team that doesn't have any right-handed shots. He's just dynamic, so yeah. they figure put our most athletic, exactly. best puck-handling guy over on that right side. Apparently, they were allowed to choose which side huh. they yeah. wanted to and play And Haig said he liked the right. Is that right? And, nice. and Ghost was, like, enthusiastic about <laughs> playing the left, so... Hey, it's, um, it's working out. Yeah, right? Speaking of left and right, Radko Gudis is the only natural righty on the team. Got thrown out with Tom Wilson yeah. the other day. Um, what have uh, what have we seen out of Gudis so far? Because I haven't, as a guy who loves Radko Gudis, I will say, haven't loved his game. Again, small sample, five games. Haven't loved what I've seen so far. Um, I don't disagree with you, but I will say that my attention has been much more on the rookies and why Travis Sanheim is not in the lineup than it is watching Radko Gudis. So I posted on Twitter, I believe it was yesterday, and that's actually I'm actually going to be highlighting this in my stock report tomorrow. Uh, the numbers 
claim that Rakugudis is just same Rakugudis. Okay, still, that's good. Still drive and play. He's about as good as he was at Zone Exits last year. About as good as he was defending the rush last year. Like all the stats say, there's no difference. All right, but but and this T-O-I? is this is important. Time on ice is way down. Yeah, which implies that the coaches may think there's something different, which implies that they may be seeing what you're seeing. So I'm a little concerned Shit. that he's clearly being really... used as the five. I mean, not to all roads always go back to Andrew McDonald, but like Ragagudis is significantly better than Andrew McDonald. Why is Andrew McDonald getting five more even straight minutes a game than Ragagudis? The world may never know, but that <laughs> concerns me on a couple levels. Number one, because it's just. It's just inefficient. You know, I would much rather have Rad Kogutis pair with Ivan Provorov as your top pair. Mm-hmm. Number two, there's a lingering concern that I have. And I don't, I mean, it's probably a, it's probably a pipe dream. It's probably just me being paranoid. But, like, you've got Rad Kogutis playing the fifth most minutes on the defense basically right now. I would say he's fifth on the depth chart because obviously Manning and Sanheim are trading spots. Then you've got a guy in Sam Moran who is waiting for his shot, mm. who is a physical guy who brings a lot of the same elements as Rako Gudis, and Rako Gudis is getting pushed down on the depth chart. Like, I'm a little worried that if they decide, okay, we need to get Moran in this lineup, that Gudis is the guy they move. And that, I don't want him gone because uh. I think Rako Gudis is good. But, like, this is setting up for, you know, if you're going to drop somebody, Gudis has trade value. And yeah. that's I've always, thought, I've always thought eventually Gudis would be the odd man out. Um, I thought it would be next year. Because right shot defensemen have value, and he has proven to be a decent enough player over the long haul that he would be the odd man out. But that was more once Myers and perhaps even Friedman were here, and we had that lefty-righty kind of versatility that does not exist right now. Uh, The only reason Moran isn't here is because he's left-handed. Well, the right-handed shot thing definitely (laughs) helps. I'm kidding. That's a joke. The the right-handed shot thing definitely helps Gudis, which is big, and I hope that locks in his spot because I want Rakugudis on this team. I like Rakugudis. He's, he's a good player. I just worry when you're seeing him getting 13 minutes a night of 5 on 5 and the top 4 is all averaging about 18 minutes a night. Like, something's up here and maybe it truly is as simple as the coaches agree with you and they think that Gudis is kind of off to a slow start, but it's interesting to note the numbers don't agree. The numbers just see Gudis as being his yeah. usual If I Gudis. agree with the maybe coaches... Give, maybe give him someone consistent and... That, that might help. Yeah, you know, Not Brandon Manning, you know... The other guy might might help. And that's when you see, like, we'll, we can agree, Rago Gudis' weakness is, like, passing the puck. Yeah, definitely. Well, isn't Sanheim kind of really good at skating with it and passing <laughs> he it? Seems like he's pretty good at it, yeah. He seems like a, that would be a real strength of his. I think it like, is. I think um, you can say that, if yes. You have, if you have a guy, and then Brandon Manning, maybe not so much. No. Maybe that's not what he's best at. What's he what, good what at? What is he best at? Um, Being uh, a pain in the ass. Accidentally injuring yeah, Connor McDavid. Yeah, I mean, he made a shirt, didn't he? That says Mad Dog on it. Didn't he make a shirt? Yeah, like he's got he's got a clothing brand like Zach Ronaldo had a clothing brand. Nice. Mazel tov. Um, <laughs> I love it. Are we closing out? Are we ready? Yeah, we're at like 70 minutes, which so is what I want to do. So there's one thing that I want Charlie to address. Oh, oh boy. There was a tweet this past weekend. Oh, boy. Love the Twitter. The quote is... Capitals are prime example why Corsi Fenwick doesn't make sense. (laughs) They've outscored their opponent 2014, but they've been outshot 170 to 127. Okay, well, have a superstar. <laughs> see that, see have a superstar shooting thirty-three percent. Like, see the, the, that the funny part about this is that, <laughs> like, Saturday's game 
ended up proving to be like the perfect defense of Corsi and Fenwick because <laughs> the point of Corsi and Fenwick, the point of advanced stats is not necessarily to describe what should have happened in a single game. It's to just, it's to predict what is most likely to happen next. So if a team is getting outshot and still winning, what that hints is that in the future, they are likely to start losing if they keep getting outshot. And lo and behold, what happened to the team that was getting dramatically <laughs> outshot in their previous games? They got blown the fuck out. Yeah, like, they did. That, I love what Charlie's like, fired on. Saturday's off. game was the perfect example of why Corsi and Fenwick make sense because they are more predictive of future events than just goals. And Washington, who was struggling in those areas, proceeded to get beaten up by the Flyers. Also, hmm. Washington has the most dynamic goal scorer of a generation. And a really good goalie. Who started the season shooting 33%. He had nine goals in four games. That's, um, that's just ridiculous. That's saying that's not he's, sustainable. He's a 12% <laughs> shooter. He was shooting a third of his shots were going in the net. Of course they're winning and getting outshot. Everything he threw at the net was going in. Also, as we've been saying all show for the past 72 minutes... Five games is a really small yeah. sample size. Sample it's supposed size. To be Corsi and Fenwick, if I'm wrong here, Charlie, correct me, is kind of, it's it's an offshoot of plus minus. It's just a bigger sample. Yeah. All right, goals. All right, there's, uh, what, on a typical game, five goals at most, and there's 60 minutes. So there's a lot of shifts in which nothing happens. So I guess we're just not going to evaluate those, those moments. Okay, shots. There are a lot more shots and shot attempts. So we'll just count those instead, and that's a better sampling. Like, uh, yeah, I just, we're up. Well, I just, I can't. Th- I'm so glad I brought I'm this up. I'm not numbers guy, but if you just say, oh, it doesn't make sense, you're a fucking idiot. Well, it's also, you're being purposefully obtuse. You are, you yes. are being yes. brazenly, intellectually <laughs> ignorant. You're doing it on purpose. Well, and I mean, we all know who said this, you're doing it on purpose. What also bothers me is like, one of the key arguments people make against Corsi, and it's a totally fair argument, is that, well, not all shots are the same. Like, Corsi acts like a shot right in front of that is the same as a shot from the point. That's a totally legitimate critique. If only we had a stat that accounted for that. Hmm. Oh, wait, we do. It's called expected goals. And if you spent any little bit of time reading up on this stuff, you'd know that there's a stat that is coursey, but weighted for shot quality. And all you have to do is do a little bit of reading and you'd know that. Like a a little bit. Just saying. That's That's the people that's... Like you, I'll say it, Bork. It was Bork, <laughs> and we all know Bork is a plus minus guy. Corsi and Fenwick are just Bork, bigger plus minus. Bork doesn't believe in global warming, so yeah. we we have a lot oh, of proof, there. a lot of <sighs> proof that John Bork is is boldly ignorant. I'm not sure he's ever watched a hockey game, to be honest. Uh, you know I, what? I, I will seen, say I've I don't seen wanna... him watch hockey. Does he text games? on multiple occasions? He's I do texting. appreciate. He's I do texting, appreciate. The fact that Bork makes uh, bold fashion decisions. I do say I appreciate that. I love the mixing of patterns, John. Keep that up, please. Um, that <laughs> is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. We're going Steph to has- Vegas. Check out Fans of Philly and the Broad Street Hockey Trip. We are going to Vegas to see the Flyers play the Golden Knights in February. Come to Vegas with us. That is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. You are awesome people as well. Uh, we have just nonstop content for you all the time. My name is Bill Matz, R.I.P. Leahy. Have a great week, Philly. Are you ready to talk about sports?
I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>